we are officially launching a Patreon. The goal has always been to make this a paying gig for myself and my guests. And if you are inclined to help us make that happen now, you can. We are at patreon.com slash what's my thesis. We have one tier. Our goal is $300 a month right now. And once we achieve that goal, we will take that money and start paying guests for their appearances, even past guests. We'll start with them. But the reason I started the show is because I value artists as culturally relevant. As a group, we are trained to think critically as our discipline, which is not something you can say for other industries. Patreon.com slash what's my thesis. And if you want to help us out, but you can't do it financially, you can leave us a review right now on your phone. Like, yeah, right now. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else? Um, what else you got going on? How's how's? Uh, I think that like we've hit as deep as we can on perception. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're just gonna go so abstract. We're not gonna know what reality is. Right. <laughs> and I also don't want to talk too much about Trump, which is like the obvious segue from there. Right. Um, I want to keep talking about art and artists because I am also exhausted from doing all the research that I've been doing on Venezuela. Really? Yeah. It's like, I can't wait for it to be fucking done. Yeah. Yeah. There's parts of my practice that are really sort of tedious and laborious. And I kind of, I took a little bit of a step back because it was just, it was too much. Like we need those things, but at the same time, um, I, I've been really just like painting up a storm, you know? And as my friend said recently, it's like the meaning is in the making, you know? And that's, I'm sort of trying to rely on, I think I used to prescribe so much meaning to the work. Like I knew what it was about. I knew everything it was about. Now I'm trying to like Mm. not know what it's about and learn what it's about. Cause it's there. I mean, I yeah. have like a structure for this work that I've been doing the last couple of years. And so like the umbrella structure is there and it's a lot about like overstimulation mm-hmm. and, um, and this, these ideas of perception. And, um, so that's all sort of like built into it. And so sometimes if I try, if I know too much, mm-hmm. it's like the work sort of dead. Yeah. So the work that I'm doing now, I'm trying to really, really make it like, painting, messy, process-oriented. I mean, the funny thing is if you look, they're so, like, not messy. Like, there's certain parts that are, like, super hyper-realistic. But messy for me because there's... They're they're spontaneous. Mm -hmm. There might be parts that are super, super clean, 
But then there's parts that are super, super messy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to think about where my practice is at because <laughs> it's really been so absorbed with this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, I guess it's, I'm sort of in like a, a bit of an information uptake cycle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I am showing up and drawing. I have sketchbooks and stuff, but in terms of like, I have one project that I want to get into, but I'm just like, it's been hard to get started just cause I'm in transition. I just quit a job that mm-hmm. was like very low hours. And like, I literally have to go work after this <laughs> cause I'm so tight on money. But, um, I mean, I'm not asking for sympathy. <laughs> it's it's literally, I just haven't been putting in enough work hours to mm-hmm. like, and I can sort of choose them for myself because I'm doing That's, deliveries. So uh-huh. it's, but, um, you know, yeah, I think for me, this has kind of become a bit of that, like showing up practice, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where Absolutely. Uh, I, it's like, um, but it can also be dangerous because this is not, this is content, right? This is not my, my actual, right. this is a practice, but this is not my art practice. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I am having a little bit of a challenge of like, kind of, I've been able to make stuff and be kind of engaged in pra- practice, but I'm not working, nece- I'm not engaging in the project that will necessarily lead to an output Mm -hmm. you know like lead to a finished thing like which i have i just like for some i think sometimes like you can feel a little secure in knowing you have something to work on and not working on it you Mm -hmm. know where like uh and again i'm giving myself credit because it's not like i'm just sitting around doing shit you know like i am working and, and getting things done but sometimes it can be more nerve-wracking to be in that space where you don't have your parameters set and you don't have a direction to go in Mm -hmm. than it can be to sort of have like an idea of what you want to do but then also not confront it because there's a security blanket there right yeah so that's kind of where i'm at right now i think though in my past i always i'm a big parameter setting person Mm -hmm. i mean even my whole like archive database that in and of itself is a parameter it's super open i'm like a child i believe you set for myself i set like parameters and then you can really like blossom yeah absolutely (laughs) within those parameters but i will say that like in the past i really knew what i was doing Mm -hmm. going forward and um right now there's like this real beauty to having no idea. Yeah. And I feel like my work... So basically, when was OPATH? That was just now, right? It was like uh, the 26th okay. of March. I can't remember So it's why. like almost a month ago. Okay. December was incredibly busy for me, and uh-huh. I can't really remember why. But I had purchased a bunch of... I have friends who build really beautiful canvases. Uh-huh. And um, so I had gotten a bunch of canvases and they were sitting there in my studio. And I think in the month of December, I was still doing like a lot of art related stuff, Mm -hmm. but not fun stuff, probably more website computer grant kind of things. And, um, so I had ideas like super specific ideas for these canvases and I, they were all planned out and, you know, and I'll plan a painting like when I was doing those sequential Mm -hmm. Uh, sentence paintings, Um, 
I'll plan like what's going to go on which painting and what size. But obviously the way that it's painted is very open. I mean that I, I, I'm like in the moment, but, um, having, I think I only went into the studio like two, two or three times, maybe two times the whole month of December. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of separated from these paintings and these plans for these paintings. So when January came in, I was just like, fuck man, new year, (laughs) new year's resolution, like no planning, no planning. And I scrapped everything, which was actually really difficult because I had gotten these five canvases that were literally exactly my height and width. Oh, okay. Of me standing. And I was going to make this sculpture. They were going to be these paintings that were sculpture. Uh-huh. And so they were like 5'5", five, five, mm-hmm. and they were like 18 inches or whatever my shoulder width was, <laughs> which is a kind of a weird size for a painting. And there were five of them. And I was like, ugh, what am I going to do now? I It's like one, one of them would have been five, and now I have five like yeah. really ill proportioned, like such a weird size, you know, Mm -hmm. but I went with it and, and I, I feel like I broke through like another one of those walls just having like no idea. And then I just ordered another couple, actually I had stretchers of bad paintings. I went through all the bad paintings, took the canvases off of the ones that were like not up to snuff, had those restretched. So I have a new sort of set of paintings right now. And again, like no plans and, um, yeah, it it feels really great. So I think like the times, well, you said you have a project, but I also think that, and it's great. Both are great. The times that you have a project is great. And the times that you don't have a project is great. Yeah. I think the times that you don't have a project, if your practice is well-established can be great. I think if you are, I think that sometimes, uh, I don't know, just the openness of options. <laughs> I know. It can be debilitating. It can just be like, oh, shit. So, so yeah. I mean, I it's also really just like I just haven't gone out and filmed, which is like what I need to do for the project, right? Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally get that that feeling of like freedom of from the past. Can it sounds like where it's <laughs> just like uh, you're no longer getting out of your way. Which I've also had that experience where you're where, where like exactly you're you're like. I think that that happens a lot right after grad school or like right after you're you you are in an art program where you're just like. Or at least for me, when I finished my BFA, I was like I have never gone to grad school. Uh, I. I had to sort of shed some of the um, rules that I kind of had established because it was expected of me to have, mm-hmm. like, sort of rules and, like, have a, a, a modality of working. Um, but then being able to, like, release that was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. It was – that's when I was just excited again about making stuff. Yeah. You know. And, and you know, it's also always good to sort of maybe – redefine how you see yourself as an artist instead of getting stale with just like, Oh, this is what I do. Yeah. You know, like I, I definitely felt like there was a period where I was getting annoyed at how easy it was to describe my projects at like, in just like a quick, like description where that's where people, like all I, 
all I dream about. (laughs) How do I have like a two sentence? It was just, it just felt too punchline-y. I was like, yeah. But it's great. I mean, that's one of the, you know, we were talking about how we do new experiences and we learn from everything. And, you know, I haven't shown a lot. You know, Mm. like I just was sort of one of those like artists who just like made work all the time Mm. and just was like, if I just make really, really great work all the time, I'll get shown. But it's like, well, that's, you're missing a couple pieces of that. So I would just like hole up in my own studio and I missed a lot of years of showing. And then I started just having like shows, like Uh I treated them as proper shows, but like in my studio, you know, and I learned a lot from those and, you know, doing the OPATH and I've, I've curated, um, you've curated in some good spaces, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I curated at, um, fellows of contemporary art, which I recommend anyone to apply. They do like a, a yearly, they have three different programs, but Uh one of them is called like the art lab or or something. Mm -hmm. And it's basically for artists or for sort of or curators and you propose an idea for a show and they have a beautiful gallery and they give you money. It's not money for you to pay yourself, but it's money to put towards whatever you need for the show. And then you're Mm. required to make a publication Mm. and every year, I think it's like in the summer. Um, but that's a fantastic, fantastic, um, opportunity and then I curated a show in um, the basement at Charlie James. And, you know, Charlie yeah. is like the super awesome dude. No, I'm actually a, going it's there. It's a nice gallery, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that gallery. I love him. I'm actually going to go there right after this. Oh, really? Yeah. But, um, because I have. What's the show that's up? Uh, is it Alexandra Bell? Alex, okay. Alexandra Bell. Um, very political work, but looks very poignant. And yeah. very beautiful. Um, but you know, you know whose political work I do like mm-hmm. is uh, Susan Micella's, uh book on Nicaragua, which is all about the uh, the civil war that was happening there. Mm, I'll look it up. It's just a bunch of dudes wearing like the bandana around the mask, uh, around the face, like cowboys kind of shit, but wearing baseball hats and stuff and mm-hmm. very seventies garb. Oh. It's pretty fucking crazy. There's like pictures of women walking past burning cars, pregnant women walking past burning cars and shit. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's, it's a book that should make a comeback okay. <laughs> that, that people should check out. Check yeah. it out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am with you on the political stuff though. Sometimes it can just be so heavy handed. Like, yeah, it's like text-based work. Like, it it tells you what to think. Yeah. Like, not all text-based work, but that's the danger of text-based work, is it's like, it puts up this idea and then puts the period... At the end, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, no, keep it, keep it open. And same with the political, like some of it is amazing, but a lot of it's very, like you said, very heavy handed. It's like, this is how you're supposed to think. And it's like, well, yeah, I already think that way, you know, but, um, I was talking about learning. What did I learn? Oh, so from OPATH, mm-hmm. one thing that I really learned, and some of this stuff I'm like almost embarrassed, like I should have learned this like so many years ago, mm-hmm. you know, but um, is the idea of like having that really easy two sentence 
statement about the project. And I said that to basically everyone that walked up, not the first, I kind of learned it as the day went on, but like people appreciate to know what a project is about, Yes, yes, you know, and if you can just tell them like really quickly, then it might actually really enhance their experience. Like when I go to see shows, I don't want to see anything. I don't even want to know the title at the beginning. I want to go in. I'm a visual object maker. So first I want to connect on a solely visual level and be like, I love this. I love this. Then I go and I read everything about it. And then I go back through Mm -hmm. and you know, nine times out of 10, it's like my, my perception, my idea of this show is totally enhanced because I know what it's about, yeah. you know, but I do think that's like having that two sentence thing for someone so that they Absolutely. at least, especially at something like OPAF where yeah. everyone's just like, you're looking at like a thousand things, yeah. just having something immediate. Yeah. To just quickly to, to help put you. you in the space and let you understand what you're looking at exactly. and what you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. I th- you made me think of something, but I just forgot it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great host, hosting, Javier. Um, yeah. Eh, I don't know. I I find... I do find that there is something more efficient to doing something like OPAF than it is to just go to art openings. Oh, I remember what it was that I was going to say. But this is maybe a little bit more interesting and relevant. Um just like, like for example, or in, you know, like how many shows do you go to before you really get to know the people that you see every week at the same shows, right? Like, I mean, in some ways the art world is a bit of a scene and you're not necessarily going to run into the same people specifically in LA at, like if you go to like 10 different shows, okay, maybe if all those 10 different shows are in the Bendix building, you're going to get to know people. But if you go like to a show in Chinatown, then you go to a show in like, um, Pico Union and stuff like that. And like, you're all over the place. The, the overlap of people, mm-hmm. it can be challenging. Whereas like doing OPAP, I just met people. Like, yeah. Now I just know them. Yeah. You know? And like, I kind of knew you before, but like now we're like soldiers that fought in the same war <laughs> <laughs> and we were both exhausted and we were like saying hi to each other. Like, Oh, Hey, yeah, mm-hmm. we're barely alive. <laughs> now we text. Yeah. Now we text. Exactly. There you go. We're homies now. So, <laughs> so there, I do think that those things can be on the value of the, of doing that can be underestimated. Totally. Right? Well, and that's why I did that collection connection yeah was you know getting people who use collection as part of their process but i was contextualizing it by like this is why i'm doing this at opaf is now i'm connecting and i literally like strung yeah yeah. you know string connecting each person's work and that was like in a theoretical way but it's all about connection and i think like the beauty of the art world regardless of if we do well or not in the art world, we're still all participants yeah. and we still all connect to each other. And there is a major, um, community here mm. and it might be like many communities. I think it's one big community that overlaps in lots of yeah, in, different, in different ways. ways. Yeah. But, um, and I, I think that it's really important 
to be part of, of the community. And like, I think your art suffers if you are not part of some sort of art community to have these conversations with other people, to have people look at your work, to go look at, I mean, I used to be that artist when I was very young who didn't really go see a lot of work. Yeah. Like, I didn't have time for it. I had work to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you don't go see work, you're not going to be that great of an artist. And you're not going to be aware of what's being discussed. And like, exactly. You, know, and like, not, you don't know you the conversations. Think, you may think that your ideas are, like, revolutionary. Really <laughs> and they're, like, five years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, something you have to contend with, right? Or even, even not that they're five years old, but when you see someone who takes a deep dive. Yeah. And you're like, that's what a deep dive yes, looks yeah. like. Yeah. Okay, how can I how can I take a deep dive? It's like imagining someone being a good movie director that's never seen movies. Maybe that could yeah. happen. But it you It would know, be ridiculous. <laughs> but there is a there specifically with movies, but with any medium, there's there's things that work that and don't they're biased towards certain things, right? Like painting you can do certain things with painting that you can't do with sculpture and, and vice versa, right? So, yeah, it's definitely get out and see work, even though I haven't been doing that. <laughs> I've much. been on a slower path. Like, I'm I'm actually going to catch up on, on quite a few things today. One being a, a show of a really, really, really good friend, but I was out of town for uh-huh. the opening. Because you were just um, on vacation. Where'd I you go? sure was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still peeling. <laughs> Where'd you go? I went to Costa Rica, Ooh. which I love. What part? We were in Nosara, which is in the northern part, and I was. Oh, with... you told me that's it's the desert, right? That you it's were in not in the, the tropic... desert, but yeah, it's it's super dry. Yeah. It's not my most favorite, but it's where. So I was with my brother, his wife, uh, their two kids, and my mom. And my brother has been. He's lived in this town like about 10 years ago and, um, he goes all the time and, um, I mean, any part of Costa Rica is amazing. Yeah. This part in particular is a bit dry for my taste, even in the dry season. If you're down more in the middle of the country or in the Southern part of the country, Mm. it's just green everywhere. And to me... I'm like a dog looking out the window. Like I can take a three hour drive. I actually, I went to Costa Rica. I went to Pavones, um, in September for like four days. Like it was like a really in and out by myself. Nice. And, um, there's about a two hour drive from the little tiny airport that you go into. Prop plane? Yeah. Okay. And it was really uh, those thick clouds. It was really scary. Yeah, yeah I bet. <laughs> it was really scary. I've been on those planes before, but this one was a bumpy ride. But I got in my, I rented a car and I drove down to Pavones and it was like a two hour drive. And I swear to God, I, I told you I'm not a great meditator. My brain is yeah. too thinking. That's why I sort of need the action yeah, yeah. of Ashtanga to like ground me. But, um, that two-hour drive, I felt like I had meditated for like a month. And I am a person who hates the car. Yeah. But you just drive there, and I love driving really slow, and they totally <laughs> do not care. And no one was on the road. And yeah. You're on a dirt road, and, you know, I'm pulling over to say hi to some monkeys, and <laughs> there's cows, and it's just green everywhere. And it's just like, it's just so beautiful, you know? 
Yeah. Nasara was a bit drier. And then there's a part of the town that has gotten so insanely taken over by rich Americans. <laughs> and I even saw a friend, another artist in town. We saw each other in the airport. We're like, what? Wow. What are you doing? Just randomly? Wow. Totally randomly. And then we were on the same flight coming back, which was uh-huh. hilarious. So I was like, well, how was your experience? And I didn't want to say. I didn't even go into the town that he's talking about because I know about it. And I'm mm. like, I don't even want to look at it. I was there about 10 years ago and it felt kind of gringoy back then mm-hmm. but now we did drive through a bit of it and i was like holy like beverly hills like really well some of the houses could easily be in los angeles same taste like modernist yeah. gentrification fence and gentrification my, fence. and i didn't want to say to my friend because he had never been there before yeah and i didn't want to put like a shitty judgment you know so yeah, i was like yeah. how how was your time instead of like ugh, you know how did you like that town yeah yeah, yeah. where people are like wearing high heels and you're like Definitely. it's a you want to give him a chance to appreciate his trip and not like exactly. be like <laughs> an asshole to him. yeah and he said you know i i did love it but he's like it's weird it's like a yeah. new kind of colonialism yeah. and it is it's like these they're really fancy houses i mean they mm-hmm. could easily be in the hollywood hills yeah Anywhere. Just like two-story, white, modern. They're, I mean, they're gorgeous, you know? How do you feel like uh, traveling like that does, what does that do for your perception in terms of coming back? I mean, maybe you're not gone long enough, but I always love that whenever you suffer culture shock, you suffer it more coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially if you've lived an extended period of time in like another country, mm-hmm. then you come back to the U.S. and you're like, wait, this is all fucking crazy (laughs) right this time it was more because we were in this area that i guess is like more accessible Uh to sort of american west you know our this side of western culture the southern as pence puts it in our backyard (laughs) yeah um but it was less uh and and you know we were staying at this hotel but And there weren't that, like the little beach that we would go to, like, you know, there was tons of Ticos like on Mm. Sunday, you know, and and it's like, so Costa Rican people, but then we did go to this like one restaurant and it's like, everyone's like American. And like, there was this girl wearing high heels, like stumbling down (laughs) to go to the beach. I was like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you don't bring high heels on your beach vacation. Um, This time it didn't do very much for my perception well, no, I guess it did. I mean, when you realize that you are part of the problem. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it's yeah. like, I told you, I, I moved into West Adams. I moved there seven years ago. Oh, yeah. And people would, I mean, there was definitely white people there. Mm-hmm. It's predominantly, you know, black and Hispanic mm-hmm. neighborhood. And people, there were definitely white people, but people would look at me and be like, Hi. How are you? <laughs> like, I'd be at the market. Hi. I'm like, hi. Yeah. You know? So I guess I stood out. Now it's so, it's horrifying. Yeah. It, everyone is like a young, upwardly, upwardly mobile, young white couple yeah, buying yeah. a really expensive house. And it's it's like. It's crazy. It's one of the, that perception of like, I can't exempt myself. Yeah. You know, my boyfriend's like, we're not like them. And I'm like. But we kind of are. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be 
you know, and I tease my neighbor. I'm like, I'm sorry, we broke the, we broke the seal, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but my street is, is wonderful. And, but you're also going to be affected by it eventually. Right. Because you're not like, you're, do you own property there? I do. Oh, okay. never mind. I was able to, I mean, I bought at the lowest point of the of the market in a neighborhood that was like very unappreciated. Well, because West Adams is kind of close to Baldwin Hills, which is right. kind of not a good neighborhood. They're like, well, the base yeah. used to be really not good, yeah. but now it's actually like, well, I'm sure I don't know. I mean, some of those apartments are really cleaned up. Um, some are really nice. I mean, I don't know the whole rent thing. That's why it's just devastating. This whole like LA. I mean, I was really when prop 10, yeah. Was up. I did so much research and I was so like, now it's been too many months. I think I was pro Prop 10. I wanted there to be yeah, rent yeah, control, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, and it lost. It blew my mind. It was devastating. And I was just like, what is wrong with you guys? Yeah. You know, like, well, it's not you guys. It's that the developers put a shit ton of money and put perception yeah. On these homeowners and even renters. I mean, yeah. renters were like, no. I mean, there is a case. That's another thing with perception. There is a case. There are a lot of people who do believe that rent control is not good for renters in the long run. And there are statistics that mm-hmm. can point to that. But there's also statistics are yeah. open to perception. Exactly. That know? is very uh, malleable, especially yeah. when you want to make a case. Exactly. Well, one of the things I used to say what neighborhood I record in, and now I don't say it because I feel like the very least I can do is not be like, oh, shit, this neighborhood is hip. Yeah. You know, like, and in fact, I recently started posting, like, it started to come up where I could post uh, instead of from Los Angeles, tag from Los Angeles, East Los Angeles. And even that, I'm like, that makes right. it too cool. I don't want to, I, I just yeah. want to live here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, like, it's not like I can see. And, and that, it, that made me think of like how um, Highland Park, what's his name? Uh Mark Maron. Mark Maron. Right. Started pimping that out, and he's a homeowner. I'm like, oh, that's a little shady. (laughs) (laughs) I looked in this neighborhood. I mean, this was one of the neighborhoods that I looked at. This was comparable, all comparable prices. West Adams, yeah. But the fact that the train went in. Yes, changes everything. Changed everything. And the funny thing is that no one knew. And so it was before the train had launched. Yeah. It was built. I lived in Culver City as that train was being built. Mm-hmm. And my rent went up $300 in one month. And then after that, they tore down the building after I moved. I got evicted because they were moving. They were tearing it down and they built six units there. And so the amount of money that those people are making right now is fucking ridiculous. And, and they the just bought a house is, in the 70s. With that whole Prop 10 thing, it's like they're trying to say, well, now we have six units. There was what, yeah. two two units? It was or, a duplex. So it yeah, was a, so a one tr- bedroom and a two bedroom. They're going to try to say, but look how many more people. Like, we need housing. We yeah. need housing. But it's like, but what are you charging? Right yeah, now, exactly. those apartments are probably... A one what? bedroom's like at least three thousand dollars. Are you serious? I was gonna yeah. say two thousand. No, at least three. Because I checked as I was. Because I, I, I didn't necessarily want to move from neighborhood too much. I mean, I'm glad I did. Because now I just like, 
I'm in a barrio. I'm in like a neighborhood that is very Mexican. And mm-hmm. it's sad because it's no longer going to be that. There's a new fucking restaurant that has valet that just opened at, on Saturday nights. I'm like, fuck, man. They have a sign outside that says, we're open and awesome. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah, like, it's take just the awesome. It's and it's but it's just it's this it's this um coolness homogeny yeah of like industrial like it's like as if everybody fucking wants to live in that neighborhood yeah and i don't (laughs) you know no totally that's how i felt when i moved to my neighborhood i was like great this is like a totally nondescript like regular there wasn't any sort of there were stores and there was places but it wasn't like this instagram place you know and a a cafe opened around the corner from my house and you know they have things, and the, I'll I will say the food is delicious. But I don't go there anymore because it's super expensive. And pretty soon you can't buy anything less than ten dollars in your neighborhood, which is sucks because yeah. that happened to me in Culver City. Yeah, totally. I was there for ten years, and it was just like all of a sudden, like everything was like, oh, I can't just go for a walk and get like a five dollar meal. Oh yeah. yeah, I would. I the first time I was there, I think I had like a croissant. Like I just wanted something to eat, like yeah. a little snack. That and like a coffee, like probably like a latte, and it was like eleven or twelve dollars, you know. But more annoyingly, well, that's really annoying the price. But their their menu is, you know, and I've been, I told you, I'm a waitress, and I've been Mm. in food service for like a million years, and I've worked for chefs that have. I mean, this I don't want to say that this chef is not like totally invested and not heartfelt mm-hmm. about her food because she is I'm sure mm-hmm. but they're part owners with like a PR firm and let me tell you I know that that dumb PR firm made their menu because they have things called like the breakfast sando uh, you know and like things that like I don't want to talk yeah and what they is have a sando? sandwich they just yeah. have <laughs> words for like that and that hurts that's like totally that's, that's like uh, a, a fascination that like Young, young, upwardly mobile, like white people so, who have dogs, fucking like they just call everything a doggo or shit like that. And I am that person. Like yeah. that's another thing. Like I don't want to be. I say totes, and I have for the past <laughs> twenty years. And I say awesome and rad, and I say bitchin. Yeah, not uh, often, but um, you is know, that, is that not feminist anymore? Oh, you know, I never thought about that because uh, that is a good one. It's just very, you know, I grew up in the 80s in Los Angeles and, you know, watched Valley Girl, the movie, like a hundred times, even though I wasn't from the Valley. I also love that I've made you, this this is the first time I've done it on recording, but I keep asking you, hey, is this feminist? Yeah, totally. totally. (laughs) Like, you're the fucking authority. say these things. If someone said, treated me as their, like, Cuban version of that, I'd fucking hate them, so I apologize. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I can't say that I'm, like, above I, – I do yoga. I have cats, although yeah. our cats are stray from the neighborhood. Yeah. But, um, you know, this place, like, just for example, the reason why these kind of – it's a fully fancy cafe. But just yesterday, I was outside – Looking for my cat, keeping tabs on the cat because mm-hmm. we were all, I was in the studio. And there was this couple that got into their car with their coffees to go. And they were literally parked in my neighbor's driveway. Not not in the driveway, blocking the driveway. Yeah. Like parallel parked in front of her driveway. Okay. Okay. And 
they were like, ah, blah, 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 looking at my plants and stuff because I'm a big gardener. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're really lucky she didn't have to leave. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, you blocked my neighbor's driveway. You're really lucky that she didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. She wasn't there. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. I would have gotten towed. <laughs> and I was just like, you are. That's why white people we are hated because we're total assholes. Like he totally Oblivious made it. Is, he totally is, made it yeah. about him. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, and he he did apologize. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry to me. Yeah. You know, be. I'm glad that she wasn't home. Yeah. But um, his first go to was yeah. I would have gotten towed. Not like oh my god. And who does who parallel parks? In front of a driveway. There was a car in the driveway. Yeah. You're that dumb. That I wonder you if he's don't... That, that clueless that he just didn't see that what, what the situation was. I'm sure he was, but there was a car. If the, no, if no, the no, driveway was no, no, I'm not saying he's empty, right, but just like, yeah. No, the whole situation regardless is like fucking ridiculous. And that's what this, this sort of like Instagrammable, gentrify, annoying... It, it's not just that it has these huge implications for the neighborhood and, and yeah. changes it and makes... I mean, I was a single single woman waitress, mm-hmm. and I was able to purchase this tiny house. Yeah. And that is not a reality, and I would never be able to do it. No, no. Never. No, not no. there. You, I think you can still do it in different neighborhoods, but right now we got to wait for the market to crash, yeah. you know? But, um, and that's going to be good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but but that sort of, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Like, people do just park in, yeah. they just block. It's just like this oblivious, like... I don't even do that as a as a delivery driver. Like, I mean, sometimes I'll just put my, my you don't flash... Like, like, I'll pu- pull into a driveway and maybe mm-hmm. block someone in, but I'll, I'm coming right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have but, like, to just, line. like... But to but even to just block an intersection parallel park or block a driveway parallel parking, it it's just seems like it's one of those it's one of those conditionings. <laughs> like I remember one time, um, I was in a car with my friend Mark, who's been on the show, and there was something wrong with my car, so like I couldn't stop it, and then we ran a stop sign. He was like, "Run it," and then we ran, it, and he goes, he goes. <laughs> cool. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. You crazy. Yeah. No, the car couldn't. We Like, it was like yeah. we were taking it to get fixed at his place. But no, that shit was scary. <laughs> but just like the thrill. And like, there, it, there was no traffic. There was It was just like, well, that, but just great. like, fuck that sign. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I but can't yeah. relate. But the, the you can never run a stop sign? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, probably, yeah. but I can't relate to the feeling. To the feeling, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, here. We didn't just take a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, so, yeah, do you remember what we were talking about? We were talking about the annoying cafe near my house. But oh, it's yeah. like, that's what I'm saying, is like, that's another thing when you, I can't say that I'm not yeah. like part of that. 
problem. Just because your intentions don't mean no, yeah, yeah. to be part of the problem, it doesn't mean that you're not part of the problem. Well, the fact that we're artists automatically makes yeah. us problematic to begin with. You're not. You, you, neither of us is is safe from that, right? Like, uh, I I mean, just because I'm Cuban and not white in the traditional sense, although Cuban is kind of whiter than, than so, like in terms of privilege uh, in the U.S. We've gotten a little bit, we've been treated more white than other Latin mm. American cultures. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's the, the, the whole, like it wasn't it a cliche in the nineties that it was like, uh, artists move in, they bring up the property value or they make it the neighborhood cool. And then the gay people move in and then they bring up the property values. Or, I mean, I don't know if that's problematic still, but that was what was said in the 90s. Yeah, no, and I don't know. I think in some areas, like I'm not sure, like Silver Lake, I think it was gay first, then the, artist. Oh, in that order? Okay. Maybe. I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I guess we're stereotyping gay people in that they like to live in nice neighborhoods. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of these neighborhoods have like beautiful architecture like in my yeah. neighborhood the houses are you know they're yeah. all from the 20s yeah yeah no you know? and, and those they're are the cool. and if you move in if you like here's a tip find an old building to move into because those are the ones that are rent controlled exactly if they're from a certain like time you know date before a certain date they're all rent control, which is why I'm happy here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and, not going to move for a while. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I wish someone had told me when I was younger. I mean, I always had pretty great rent even mm. before like my last two apartments. One was in Hollywood and one was in Santa Monica. And I think they were both a thousand dollars. And that was like, I mean, the last one was in Santa Monica. That was like East Santa Monica. So not even quite Santa Monica, but I was paying a thousand dollars and that was seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I had one of those, like, I wasn't always able to have an artist's studio. Like, I don't understand. I've only had like one proper that I actually paid for that was like off site. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a bunch of like, I have a one bedroom, a couch is a luxury. (laughs) So, you know, I had everything in a bedroom and then the living room was like a full working studio. And I had probably at least three, four apartments where I did that, you know, cause to have, I don't, and I really don't understand how people can afford studios like awesome for them. Yeah, no, it is uh, a lot of extra rent. I mean, I I think, even if it's like an extra $200 a month, like it's, that's just yeah. a lot of fucking money to come up with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No. But no one ever told me like, don't move a lot. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, keep your apartment. Yeah. You know, like do not move because the, the more you move, you're just keeping up with the price of inflation. And that yeah, was exactly. like back then when it was still pretty it's, inexpensive. When I moved in 11 years ago, a two bedroom Duplex was sixteen hundred dollars. Eleven years ago, I'm trying to think. So that that now a one bedroom, yeah, if you yeah, remember, yeah. is three thousand dollars. Yeah, my brother lived on Higuera. Yeah. Like I don't know. I guess in the early two thousands, they had a front yard. They had a backyard. It was a two bedroom. Like it was awesome, and um, totally affordable. I yeah. can't even imagine what it would be right now. It's crazy. 
It's and and it, it it is all these like little projects that they start bringing in, right? Because then they start building curbs, and then the curbs start to have like uh, parking spaces within them, and everybody's upset about them. But they just start making everything look a little bit more finished, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit more uh, intentioned. Like the it's not just like grass and then road. It's like oh, you mean like cr- the easement? Yeah, the easement exactly, and and stuff like that. They start adding that, but eventually it it's like the progress stops and it's no longer like there's no longer any money to keep putting into these things. And then, then like, I mean, if you look at Chevy at Hills, it's not as shiny, but you can tell that it used to be as shiny as like Culver city is now. It's it, it, it kind of um, like their parks have a lot of holes in the ground mm. and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting sort of how these, uh, these like, that's kind of how these markets also crash, right? Like you, you I, I, I can't imagine for example, like all the speculation that's going on with like the 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 football teams mm-hmm. in in um, in the stadiums in Inglewood, mm-hmm. and like when I was looking for an apartment, Inglewood was like super about to be super expensive, but mm-hmm. the places are not that nice. Like this apartment is nicer mm-hmm. than anything I found in Inglewood, and and so it's like yeah, but how long? Is that football team going to stay there? Because this is Los Angeles. We got two well, football teams. Well, someone will yeah. stay there. But, but yeah, is that Inglewood it? right now has... I was looking just because I like to, like, I don't know, out of curiosity. And, like, rent in Inglewood is, like, $2,000 yeah. or more for a one-bedroom. And it's just, yeah. like, I just don't understand how this is happening and how people can afford it. And I make decent money, and I couldn't afford that. Yeah. You're joining us for... Real estate talk with Javier Proenza. <laughs> Just don't move. Get a good apartment and no, but it, stay but it, there. So it is not, I mean, I, I hate to just kind of like be stuck within my own research, but that is like what you were saying about Costa Rica and, and colonialism. Like colonialism never died. Like in terms of like um, a lot of Latin American countries are still colonialist econ- economies. A lot of the countries that are backing uh, the U.S. against Venezuela, mm-hmm. right? And then it happens on a neighborhood level level too. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be that the inner city was the bad place. But like, it, it, you know, you look at the narrative of how we are going to like go and give aid to people, right? And like without getting into like how the fallacy of that statement, because we are actually taking more money from them than we mm-hmm. are giving them in aid and we're withholding medicine. And then we're saying, we, you know... Um, there's this like idea about wokeness and like um and I'm not I don't have a problem when it comes from communities of color but mm-hmm. when it comes from like white people who are mad at Trump you mm-hmm. know specifically there's a subset of people there that just has no awareness of what it actually means to appropriate someone's culture and to appropriate someone's resources right. and to tell somebody, you know, like basically you have um, another, like all these countries are just to serve uh, us, yeah. you know, they only exist to serve us. Colombia has one of the worst uh, uh, um humanitarian records and they they're very uh, 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 anti-union but like they're our homies you know but then we support like people are, are, are people that consider themselves liberal support trump against venezuela for this like really weird thing but what it is it's just 
imperialism, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is exploitation. Like these countries are liberals for uh, Trump neoliberals going into Venezuela. I think that I've seen even on NPR very problematic reporting where they're not actually talking about the information that debunks the narrative that these places need to um that these places need help like there is hyperinflation and that has to do with how we are sanctioning the country how uh saudi arabia is mass producing oil like i'm trying to like keep it as brief as possible so i don't go into like and bore you but um but yeah i do think that like for example nancy pelosi and all all of the Democrats in Congress, maybe not liberals like you and me, but all the Democrats in Congress are pro toppling, or pro pro coup, and mm-hmm. a coup is not democratic. Right. So that that's like a disconnect that drives me crazy with white people, where it's like your leaders, Nancy Pelosi and all these people, and then you have them and they're shitting on people like Ilhan Omar who's getting death threats. That is the gnarliest. As a Jew, I'm so upset that Jews are saying that she's an anti-Semite. I don't think it's Jews. I don't think it's Jews. Some are. I think some Jews are saying it, but OPEC is like evangelical Christians, like uh, or APAC, APAC is is evangelical. OPEC is the oil. is it really? Yeah, APAC is evangelical Christians. It's a, it's a it's a coalition of a lot of people that are pro Israel. They're not right. necessarily exclusively Jew. Now Jewish. Now I don't have to tell you that um, why the the evangelicals are like pro Israel <laughs> because they want to bring about the end times. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware of that. No. Oh, okay. So I mean, I know it's because they have like a holy land as well. Yeah, and 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 I've just heard from I think Trapo Trap House, which is a really good podcast about how. Even the idea of Judeo-Christian values, that's like something that happened in the 80s mm-hmm. where, where, where it was like it, before Christians were very anti-Semitic. Totally. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they still are. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all fucked up. But yeah, I do, I do appreciate this conversation about perception. It would have been interesting if I wasn't in the middle of all this research. Mm-hmm. My, you know, like if maybe even like a couple months ago we had, had this conversation, it might have been more abstract and magical thinking, you know. I but, feel bad that I brought the Ashtanga instead of the perception. I went back and forth, back and forth. No, and it's then both. I, well, it's okay. two hours. What are we going to do? Talk about Ashtanga for like, you know, like it always happens. True. Like it's always like the first one. Is always about the topic, and then the se- and then the second hour we just kind of go oh, off from there. So okay. it's it just ends up, and then I have to come up with a title for it. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming. Do you have no. anything else you'd like to add, or? Um, I just want to add, thank you so much. Oh. Because I love. I mean, this is like really. I'm gonna get all like gushy and emotional, but it's like I really do believe in like. The art community. Me too. And I'm gonna get gushy too. Go ahead. And I, I really believe that like it really is all about us supporting each other. And you know, you and I, I, I told you at the very beginning of this, like I was kind of nervous because even though I'm like a blabbermouth to the max, I'm also like very shy Mm -hmm. in a weird way, and I, and I get nervous. And this was really fun. And thank you. And that expands my experience of you know like not that this is public speaking but this will be available to the public and like I do believe in like you know doing the things that make you really uncomfortable yeah exposure to these things definitely yeah and and I think 
for me also just doing the show is like I knew I had I was I had good ideas. I wasn't as good at speaking them out, you know. Like now I've gotten to the point where I can like not say um. You, right. You know? And that is a big That's deal. That's awesome. I hate um. But I'll but, have to listen to it, see if I say it's Oh, it doesn't bother me, but I used to edit it out when on in the early episodes and now I just pain. like have like fucking huge pauses in my speaking. <laughs> That's the way. Yeah. It drives me nuts when I'm listening to someone on the radio or on television and they're being asked something. And, um, and then I, I was thinking, um, that when, um, I'm like, you just don't sound professional and it's an annoying quality. I hope I didn't do it either. No, (laughs) you, you, I, I, I didn't notice. Um, but then the other thing that I really has been helpful speaking in terms of like what you're saying about, um, exposing yourself to this kind of thing is, is that, uh, I've actually gotten really good at like letting the things about myself that drive me crazy go. Mm. Like when I listen back to the episode and start of sort of think of like, okay, that's probably going to annoy people like it annoys me, (laughs) but I am, uh, an amalgam of many things and hopefully people will forgive me those (laughs) annoyances. I don't think they, uh, they notice that. I think we are so hypercritical. So the fact that you're doing, how many podcasts have you done now? Uh, this, I, we're at like, I've put out 44. So yeah, it's beneficial for like, it's a practice that helps me communicate a lot better. I love it. Exactly. And also, like you said, just get rid of all those things because Whatever. Like, if you did one, you'd isolate it and look at it. That's, like, why, and I'll bring this back to painting. You know, I used to work on, like, one painting for, like, six months. Yeah, I know people And it was never very good. Yeah. You know, but when you work on ten in two weeks. You get answers. Yes. You become, you you build that vocabulary. Yeah, more information. And you're bringing people into this mix. And so then you have, it's not only in your brain. You get to like vibe off. That's my favorite fucking part. Sure. uh, Because my own bullshit can get tedious. Totally. (laughs) You know, as as anyone else, as anyone can get, feel about themselves. We all get tired of the sound of our own voice. Fuck yeah. (laughs) There are times where I'm like, I have to edit three hours fuck <laughs> i have to listen to myself for three hours like ooh, i have to like ease myself into it but yeah cool man i really appreciate you coming i appreciate and, you too and uh and i look forward to being colleagues for a very long future forever <laughs> forever forever and ever and yeah. yeah i feel like i knew you before but now you're like my friend no it, that's definitely the thing the 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 magic trick I'm pulling on people I'm yeah. making making them become my friend because I know the power that that the intimacy of a conversation in podcast form has like mm-hmm. it's all it's all been a plan yeah perfect <laughs> I love it so I've actually manipulated you into feeling like we're friends <laughs> my perception is we are friends <laughs> <laughs> I am I am your friend I am just making it uh, making myself a devious motherfucker no, <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> I like I said I need to get rid of some rituals in my own head. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Sydney Karoski. Karoskery. If, if anyone is still listening, <laughs> oh, they're, thank pro- they're, you. they're still listening. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything you'd like to plug? Um, no, not your, at this moment. Can I plug your Instagram? Sure. It's uh, Sydney Karoskery. Yeah, with a C. With a C, and it's uh, an E, right? Yeah, Sydney like Australia. 
Okay. C R O S. I think if you get to C R O S. Okay. Curry. Yeah, you'll is... you'll it'll pop up. It's like a little yellow background. I think I'm like against a mountain. I love this. Artists describing their, their profile pictures is going to be a, a new segment on the show when they plug it. What is your profile picture? <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. What's My Thesis is produced by Javier Proenza, who is talking in the third person. Reach out at whatsmythesis at gmail.com and follow us on all social media at What's My Thesis. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you donate to our Patreon, this is where I'll give you a shout out and make up what kind of art you make based entirely on your name and nothing else.